0: But when you go from from traditional analog business to tech startup, Mm -hmm. there is a big chasm there that you have to cross. Um, And you have to kind of manage your own psychology to understand that. I didn't know that.
1: Welcome to the Small Business Growth Podcast with me, your host, Maddie Giordano. We will talk all things business, branding, and social media marketing so you can turn your passion into success, whether that be a clothing store, a yoga studio, an online coaching business, or whatever lights that fire inside of you. Here, you will find tons of quality information so you can crush your goals, build your business, and make more moolah. Sound good? Let's jump on in. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for being here.
0: Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be on.
1: Yeah, so let's get started with just kind of sharing your story for what you're all about and what your business is and how you got to where you are today.
0: Awesome, cool. So lifelong entrepreneur. I've never had a job. I've never had a boss, which is probably pretty good. Nobody would ever hire me anyway. <laughs> but uh, when I was uh, when I was in high school, my dad uh, interrupted me from playing Nintendo one day, and he said, "Hey, we have a job to do. We're going to go mow the neighbor's yard," and I helped him cut the neighbor's grass. I went kicking and screaming, didn't want to, didn't want to do it, but he made me mow the neighbor's yard. And ever since then, I've been an entrepreneur for life. I, we made 20 bucks off of off two hours of work, the two of us. So we didn't do too well, but <laughs> something about just working and, and making money for myself. It, it just, it just bit me. And by the time I was uh, graduating high school, I had 50 lawns in the neighborhood that I was mowing uh, after school and on the weekends. And uh, it, it, was, it was cool because over 15 years period of time, I was able to grow that a little lawn mowing business into an actual company. Uh, and in 2014, that business was acquired. Uh, we had uh, 150 employees, uh, around $10 million a year in, in annual sales. And it was purchased by the largest landscaping company uh, in the country. So I was able to go from just me and uh, a push mower to me and a real business over 15 years period of time
1: wow that's incredible and i know you have kind of a history in building businesses scaling them and kind of bootstrapping selling them and then starting over um what different businesses have you owned what businesses what business do you own now and operate
0: yeah so the the first company i did i, I built it all debt free i was uh i was a fan of dave ramsey i listened to him oh, on yeah. my head my headphones while i was working every day and he just beat into my head uh just just trying to use debt wisely. I mean, he's zero debt, but I think that's a little extreme. But but being almost afraid of taking on debt and being, you know, building that business debt free was the thing that allowed me to sell it. And my second business, Green Pow, which is kind of the Uber for lawn mowing. So yeah. I went from a traditional blue-collar type of business to now a purely digital one. Uh, we we are bootstrapping it and building it debt-free as well. So that kind of ethos of taking the slow and low approach of 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 building a company that's sustainable, that's growing off of its own revenue, that you're not going too fast, you're not overextending yourself, is what's kept me in business uh, for for 20 years. Was what allowed me to survive the 2008 economic meltdown and also survive what we're going through right now with COVID. Yeah, um, keeping keeping yourself uh, to a point where you can survive anything. Is 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 why I was able to sell my last company, and why why our current company GreenPal is growing through this because we're not overextended.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so you said that your GreenPal is kind of like the Uber of landscaping. Can you t- kind of tell us your your business model there, just so the audience knows?
0: Yeah. So in 2013, when I was in the process of selling my last company, I thought, okay, what am I going to do next? And I started just kind of taking notice of what Uber and Lyft and Airbnb were doing for very traditional types of transactions, uh, whether it be a cab ride or a hotel stay. And, and I, uh, I thought, you know, this needs to exist for what I've spent the last 15 years doing. I saw every day how difficult it was for a homeowner just to hire a good solid grass cutting service. You wouldn't think that's a hard thing to do, but it really is because the lawn mowing companies that you want to come take care of your lawn mowing for you are busy mowing yards Mm -hmm. they don't have a receptionist they don't have uh, a bookkeeper they don't have somebody to handle all of the the back-end office operations so you have to leave a a voicemail for them or 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 an email and hope that they get back to you it can literally take like two or three days to find a lawn mowing service yeah i thought okay this needs to exist for this industry. It should be a lot easier for a homeowner or or home renter to find a reliable lawn mowing service because these, these folks are out here, but they don't have any way to connect. So we built GreenPal, which enables a homeowner to find a good lawn mowing service within 60 seconds. Uh, They sign up on the app or the website. They'll get five quotes back within a couple of minutes and then they can read reviews about the, the lawn care services in their area. And they can read data about them, how often they show up on time, what other people have to say, and then hire the one they want to work with. And they can do it all without even making a phone call. Even yeah. if their grass is three feet tall, uh, <laughs> they, they, can, they can get somebody in a snap. Wow. And we've grown that business from uh, the first year, we, the first 12 months of, of building it. I think we ended the year with like 25 users and, I, and half of those were my family. Uh, so now we have over we have over 200,000 people that use it every week uh, to wow. get get the yard maintenance done.
1: Wow, that's incredible! And how was that pivot from you doing a lot of like like you said the blue collar kind of job onto like an online online space?
0: Yeah, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I lit I li- literally thought that we were going to pay a dev development shop like a like a like a like a company that would build apps right, to just build it. And then we would just like have it. And then it would be like, it would <laughs> Working just be perfectly. like, yeah, yeah everybody okay. would like, yeah, just like success would just follow. And we, I, we did that. I recruited two co-founders and we, we spent uh, around $120,000 on the first version of GreenPow. And it was a total flop, total failure. It was barely usable. It barely worked. It was buggy. It was hard. It was confusing to use. Nobody really got it. And we learned a very painful lesson that if we were going to be in the technology business, if we were going to build a tech company, we were going to have to learn how to build software. Mm-hmm. And my two co-founders and I uh, began getting in the trenches, just poring over blogs, YouTube, Udemy, online courses, and trying to figure out, okay, how do we train ourselves from the ground up to, to build software, to uh, understand what it takes to design software and execute that. And A co founder of mine went to the Nashville uh, Software School in a, over a nine month uh, uh, course and learned how to do back end software engineering. Mm-hmm. And I learned product design, and my other co founder learned uh, front end uh, software. And over the next year, year and a half, we built ourselves the second version. And that went much smoother because we had the feedback from the first the first failure to yeah. then bake into the second version. And little by little, we, we have just never, never stopped improving it constantly, uh, what they call iterating on top of what you have and getting it better and better and better based off the user's feedback that are using it and building that, that kind of momentum. We wouldn't be able to get to where we are today had we not reinvented ourselves as entrepreneurs, as small business owners to become tech entrepreneurs rather than, than, than blue collar Business owners, which is what I was. It's what I knew. I knew how to. I knew how to change a transmission in a truck. I could do that. <laughs> I knew how to. I knew how to organize 150 employees to get done what we had to get done that week. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know how to do was JavaScript, Ruby on Rails, uh, analytics uh that is an how,
1: abyss to jump into man it was a
0: big gap and i yeah. didn't really understand how different the two really were you know in a traditional based business you could you could airdrop me into uh most any type of, of, of traditional business whether it be a restaurant carpet cleaning company home building mm-hmm. company roofer I, and within six months i could figure it out yeah. uh, because a lot of a lot of fundamentals uh, still apply but when you go from from traditional analog business to Tech startup, mm-hmm. there is a big chasm there that you have to cross, um, and you have to you have to kind of manage your own psychology to understand that. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. and what I was looking at was a lot of other tech companies that were were just crushing it and almost overnight successes. And, and so the first thing is you don't realize there aren't there are no overnight successes. Those those teams have been at it for three, four, five years by the time yeah. you. You'd get around to hearing about them or using them, and the other thing i didn 't know was and this is this is very important most of the time when you see one of those really big like huge successes in 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 the tech press or or even you know just uh, something that you hear about and you use you 're like, man, why' I think of that what you't what you don't realize is that 's usually that entrepreneur's second, third, or fourth time mm-hmm. trying to get one of these to work, and so they have accumulated all of this all these scars and all of this muscle memory around, okay, this is how you build a tech company. This is how you get a, a tech startup going. And you really have to go through that school of hard knocks usually at least once before you get a hit. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that cost us a year to two, maybe even three years of just reconditioning ourselves as, as small business owners, as entrepreneurs to play in this game.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs come into it. Like you said, like they think, oh, there's all these overnight successes. I can do that too. I see all of these stories out there and they come and they're like, okay, let me start this business. And in six months, they're like, well, I just keep failing. Why, why is this bad? And I think there's, there's a power in failure that you have to kind of fail your way to success in the beginning. And it seems like, like you said, you had that first kind of the fail of the app. And then now you're able to really be successful in it. Can you speak to like how to keep overcoming and pushing through those failures
0: yeah yeah totally you you can be successful you can get inspiration from from other entrepreneurs that are crushing it they're usually Mm -hmm. no smarter than you or I but you will be successful just not overnight yeah and you you uh you have to you know I coach uh entrepreneurs here in Nashville just as a hobby and the thing I I usually say to them is you know whatever this idea you have is you need to plan on spending the next 10 years on it yeah oh man really no yes (laughs) the next 10 years no you think it'll take that long yes it will take that long maybe less it might only take five six seven but it but you need to be prepared for 10 do you love the idea and, and 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 are you passionate enough about it to spend the next 10 years on it and that should serve as a good indicator is if you should if you should go forward with it and how do you get through those those first um six months, year, two years, really the first two years suck most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to manage your own psychology. You, you really do. That's, that's half or more of the key to success starting one of these things is managing your own psychology and celebrating those little wins and, and, and reminding yourself of the power of compound interest. Mm. So in the early days, yeah, it might only be 10 users that used it this month. But if you can double that this next month, and, 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 and double that again, the month after, well, then that number gets really big, really quick. Yeah. And so for us, you know, we went from finishing the first year with, with a handful of users, a couple, couple dozen, and now we have over 200,000 homeowners wow. that are retained using this thing, you know, on a weekly basis. It, you know, how do we get from here to here? It was just, it was just constant compound interest with it growing and doubling that number. And, and I didn't really know that back then. I thought, okay, this thing's going to be, this thing's not going to take off, you know, and, and I just, we just kept at it. And a lot of, and for us, a a big thing was we made it to where there was no other option. Success was the only option for us. We had to make this thing work because we had our own money in it. Uh, we spent, we spent our own, that was our own $120,000 that we wasted on the first version uh, my two co-founders didn't quit their full-time jobs until year, almost year three. And wow. so we were nights and weekends grinding on this thing. And uh, and we made, really made it to where success was the only option for us. And and to a degree, like not raising money and having those forced constraints is the reason why we're here today. We now have a profitable business that's still growing 100% year over year. And we're able to survive this this the situation that we're in now.
1: Yeah. And I I think that people don't understand how much grit it takes in order for an, like in the entrepreneurial lifestyle to like really keep pushing forward. And I love that, like not having a plan B, like in order for you to be successful, like this is going to work. This is going to be successful. You just have to keep pushing forward. And I I think that's really cool. Just being in the entrepreneurial space and seeing, like you said, like you need to have passion for this enough to stick for it for 10 years and, and still be excited to continue to grow it from there. And from moving into like this online business, there's a lot that came with it. You said you had to do a lot of adapting, a lot of failing and a lot of learning in order to get there. What were the benefits for you of moving into this online business?
0: Oh, great question. So for me, uh, my, my, com- my companies, my businesses have always been a vehicle for my personal development. Yeah. I've always been the thing that causes me to level up. So, and that's a big part of my, I guess, my value system is mm-hmm. always be growing. If you're not growing, you're contracting. If, if, you know, like one of my favorite quotes is, is George Patton. If you're not taking ground, you're losing ground. Mm. And that's just an e- like an ethos that I like to live by. And to be honest, like that sounds like a very motivational, uh, uh, value to live by, but I'm also the laziest person I know. Like <laughs> I, If I don't have to like I was able to retire after selling my first company and I did take some time off, but I got bored with it really quick. But I found out I wasn't getting out of bed till 9.30 in the morning. Mm. And so if I didn't have that forced function of, listen, we have to, we have to win yeah. and we, we, have to, we have to dominate this market. We have to, we have to do the things we have to do to, to beat our competitors and, and also to create a product that people want to use. If I didn't have that forcing function, I would be very stagnant right now. Mm-hmm. and and as a result i would be unhappy and so so for me my businesses have always been in a weird way like a source of joy for me because i can look back and say wow look at what you've become to to build this thing and pilot this thing that you would have never done if 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 the market hadn't required it of you if yeah. if these objectives hadn't required it of you and so even just my first business learning how to become a leader a manager uh having over 100 employees managing a sales team uh, how to hire and fire people, all of these difficult things that a business owner has to, has to go through. I was able to do that, uh, through trial and error and my business required it of me mm-hmm. now fast forward to my second business green pal having to go through the, through the tough process of reinventing myself as a, as an entrepreneur and learning all the things that I had to, to learn as I look back and, and I'm not the same person I was five years ago. Yeah. Eight ten 10 years ago. I'm just not the same person. I, I, I have more knowledge, more wisdom than I did then. And I can't say, you know, without my business, I probably wouldn't have been forced to, to read the books I read, to uh, listen to podcasts like like we're doing now, yeah. um, you know, to learn from people smarter than me. I wouldn't have had to, to do that had the business front required it of me.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and just kind of, it, I love that that you put your like your personal growth is through your business, and you really have to learn how to to grow yourself, grow your skill set, and adapt as a person. And throughout, and I mean, in a year, you can grow so much through your business personally as well. Right. And I think the online scape really really moves into that too, because like you said, it's a whole new world. Like the tech side of things is a whole new avenue. And in a world of people, a lot of different businesses pivoting online really quickly right now because of everything going on, what's some advice that you have for them?
0: Yeah, like yes, yes, if that's your passion and you wanna do it, yes, go for it, but yes, don't underestimate how hard it's gonna be. Mm. Um, and, and, and the only reason, like, like a, uh, a trainer at my gym, you know, he's asking me for advice. Like, you know, I really don't, I, I, I'm, I'm good at training. It's my passion, but, but I want to have a digital business like you do. And I think that um, if I can just do all of this online, then I, you know, and how do I do that? I'm like, bro, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see how we're going to like circumvent like you being here, like coaching and training people in person. I don't see that. Now, maybe, maybe you do, And maybe there is a way for you to do all of this purely digitally. Surely uh, COVID right now is an experience in that, but, but, but I don't, I don't, I can't see that happening. So it's, so I guess my point is like, yes, look for ways to, if you want to be a a tech online based entrepreneur, look for ways to do that, but don't be delusional about how, how you're going to, how you're going to execute, how you're going to get from here to here. Uh, And, and, and my favorite uh, quote from a guy named Ben Horowitz, who, who is a smart and uh, venture capitalist, he says, uh, fire bullets, not cannonballs. Mm. So before you just quit your job or before you uh, tell all your clients to take a hike or whatever, like (laughs) test this out, maybe, you know, in the case of, of my, my acquaintance, the, 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 the uh, the trainer, maybe you keep the full workload and then nights and weekends do free coaching online. And see, if you can get 10 free customers, then try to get one paying customer. Yeah. And then after slowly transition into this, yes, go for it. But fire bullets, not cannonballs. Run little experiments. Uh, try to figure out what the smallest thing you can do is to validate if this is a good idea or not. And then run that experiment. And then if that goes well, then, then scale it up a little, little by little. Because you know there's, there's, a, there's, there's a graveyard. Mm -hmm. a literal graveyard of, of failed tech startups. And sadly, a lot of times business owners, entrepreneurs that go through that come out jaded, they come out in personal debt and they don't try again. And then they literally spend the the next 20 years working for somebody else Mm -hmm. miserable because they didn't approach this the smart way. So yes, go, go for it, but also do it wisely and follow the methodology that's been laid out by smart people like Eric Reese with the lean startup. And, and other guys like that, this the blueprints there, study that stuff, do this smart, uh, iterate, do it take small do it in small steps, experiment and and figure out what success looks like, and literally get there step by step.
1: yeah, I, I, that's really great because I do think a lot of people are like, oh well, I'll just go online, it's going to be really easy I'm opening up my audience to so many new people, and people are just going to flood in. But it's hard to actually get your message, get your new online startup out to a bunch of people and your idea. And you can go through all of this work to create something and then no one wants to buy it. So you do have to take it. And I think before you take that full leap into, okay, I'm going to quit my other job and this is what I'm going into, know that it's going to take a very long time. And how did you see that like when did you see kind of that explosion of your, of your online business? What forms of marketing did you find that it was the easiest for people to get out there?
0: Yeah. great question. So rewind back to 2014, my two co-founders and I, uh, take, take pull our money together and we spend a hundred some odd thousand dollars building this thing. We release it. And to your point, crickets, nobody used it. We launched the app, uh, to an empty, empty room. and. And if you, and so we learned the hard way, if you build it, they will not come. (laughs) We we learned that you have to drum up, you have to do something to drum up interest in this thing. And the the only thing I knew to do at the time was we, was to take a page out of my former playbook 10 years earlier, and we started passing out door hangers. Mm. So we, we hoofed it around all middle Tennessee, around the Nashville area, and we must have passed out what had to be 50,000 door hangers. Over wow. over a few weeks time, and uh, it, it it really sucked. Uh, and uh, my co-founder got bit by a dog, we got <laughs> rained on all the damn time. I, I even to this day, I can I can close my eyes and like I know how to like hang that little da- door hanger. Like I can do <laughs> perfectly. Anew. Yeah, yeah, because I got so good at it over and over and over again. Uh, but we did that, and we got enough of a trickle of of users to the site to to get like a, like a hundred people maybe, maybe a couple hundred people and, they, and just to try it, just to use it. And after, after we, we were able to monitor their use, you know, in analytics tools and understand, okay, what, what are the bottlenecks? What, where, where do we, where do we do well? Where do we not do so well? And then, and then understand, okay, we got these people information. Let's, let's reach out to them and see if they'll talk to us. And around maybe a dozen people did. And we met with them in coffee shops, sometimes in their home, at restaurants, and we would just sit down with them for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever they would give us, and just walk through okay, what did you expect the website to do? What did you, what did you, what problem were you trying to solve? Where did it where did it leave you confused? Where were you disappointed? Taking all of that information from these earlier users, and we were able to understand a couple things. We thought that people would use our service because it was a cheaper alternative to dialing for dollars and just calling people around, which it is. But for them, it was more speed. They needed somebody today. Mm. They needed somebody at the latest in the morning. And so we understood really early that that our value proposition was, was less about price and more about quick turnaround, quick turnaround on quotes, quick turnaround on getting the job done. And so that was an early key, uh, bit of guidance that we wouldn't have gotten had we not, not spoken to our users. And so part of our, how we operate this business even to this day is to constantly be in contact with our users every day, dozens, hundreds of times a day. When that guides how we build the product, guides what we do. So really early, it was all just hand-to-hand combat, passing out flyers, get users, get information, use that to get more users. And what we understood was, okay, if we can take the things that they liked and bake that into our website, how it communicates, then we can increase the conversion rate on the website and maybe we can get to a point where we can not have to pass out flyers anymore and we can acquire people just through Google traffic. And as time went on, we started researching search engine optimization. Okay, how do you you play that game? How do you win Mm -hmm. at that game? And that's another kind of subset of something you would think is relatively straightforward and easy, which is a which is tremendously hard. And uh, we learned early on if if you're going to rely on Google traffic as a, as a user acquisition channel for your business, really it is a that it needs to be a fundamental part of the business. It yeah. has to be ingrained in what the business is. And we started developing a strategy of okay, how do we increase traffic? How do we how do we do the tactical things like creating more landing pages? Uh, we understood really early that. A market is not uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's Marietta, Georgia, Alpharetta, Georgia. It's Jonesboro, it's, it's Riverdale, it's, it's, it's uh, Smyrna, Georgia. Uh, those are the th- cities and towns that comprise a market and not Atlanta. And so we developed content for those little small areas. And so little by little, we, we began to understand, okay, this is how you execute a search. And to this day, search is, is the, use, is, is the, is the uh, source of 80% of our new users. Uh, And we, we dominate at it and it, because it's, 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 it's one channel for acquiring users that we've bet the company on.
1: Yeah. And it, so it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you really just needed to figure out your audience. Like you needed to figure out what their pain points, their problems were. You did a lot of market research. That's awesome. And I think, I, I don't think businesses dive as much into that as what you guys did in order to grow and to scale because they're like, well, I would take anybody, I would take any homeowner that wants to, that wants to hire me to mow my lawn or, um, whatever. But they, people don't understand that like they're the audience part of it. Like you might think that it's the pricing is what people are getting to buy, but just getting the repetition of like, okay, wow, it's actually, like you get to change your messaging. It's actually the convenience of it. And I think that's, it's a really important aspect is doing that market research in any business.
0: Right. Yeah. One of my favorite quote of mine is by a guy named Brad Feld. Brad Feld, he is a uh, famous venture capitalist and he says, listen to your customers or you will have none.
1: Mm.
0: And that's it. Uh, yeah. you, you, you have to listen to that feedback and you have to not only listen to it and adjust, but you have to bake it into the DNA of, of the business. Whether it's a small company, you and just you by yourself or you and a hundred people, the, your, your customer feedback has to be baked into what it is you're doing. And it has to be one of your guiding principles.
1: Yeah, it definitely does. And I think, I think some people kind of turn a blind eye to it. Cause they're like, Oh, well all these people are saying this, but they don't really want to adjust their business into what these people are saying, but they don't, but like you can scale so much from when you do listen, you like active listening to what people are saying, adjust what you're doing. And there are more people will come. Right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, and so you said. So you had a business before your Green Pal. At what point, and you grew that from nothing. At what point were you? Did you decide, like, okay, I grew this, I scaled this, and now it's time to exit. And how do you yeah. kind of decide that that's the right point to
0: go? Awesome, awesome question. So for me, it was a personal decision and less of a business decision. You know, like I was saying earlier, my businesses have always been core to okay, how I become wiser how i how I level up how I become flat out smarter mm-hmm. how i uh grow myself as as an entrepreneur and as a this as a this is a man and and so I reached a plateau point where I was running it, I had good systems in place, I had a good team around me, we were doing well, making really good money for for not only like myself but I had prosperity in the company I was able to pay my people well mm-hmm. uh, we we really Built a good strong business, and so for me, it, it, I was I was I was faced with a with a, uh, a dilemma almost where I was going to have to expand this thing regionally if I was going to continue to grow, or I was just going to stay status quo for a long time, and I I didn't like either option, and so for me I realized man you know it's I think I've done this for 15 years it's all I've never known I've done well at it it's time for somebody bigger to take it under their umbrella and, and continue to grow it. And so it was a personal decision that I made uh, more, more so for, I wanted to continue to grow. I wanted to have my next act as, as an entrepreneur. And I wanted to literally do something with the next 10 years of my life that was different than what I did with the last 10. And so I made the decision, okay, we're going to sell this business. And that in and of itself, was 10 times harder than I thought it was going to be. Just from an execution standpoint and from an emotional standpoint. When you spend 15 years or 10 or five years building something, a lot of times it becomes part of your, your personal identity. And so I didn't understand how hard it was going to be for me to divorce myself from that. Yeah. Um, and so like that was, that was a difficult part of that. Uh, watching somebody else take over you know, your thing, your baby that you built was mm-hmm. hard. Um, but, but, uh, I got through it, got it done. And, and I'm glad I did because, because I'm having a ball building this company now. It's a lot of fun and it's, it's a whole new set of challenges that have, have at times sucked. But, you know, in, uh, when I take inventory of the last seven years building this thing, I look at it positively. I'm glad I've done it.
1: Yeah. And you're, and a lot of times with entrepreneurship is you really identify yourself with your business. Um, and so knowing when it's time to like make that break, I think is, um, is, is a difficult decision. And then watching another business, like change what you've grown. It's like, well, no, I wanted it to be this way. Like I wanted you to do that. And I think that's a difficult thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely was. It was, it's kind of like, uh, the way I would equate it is maybe like, uh, maybe somebody somebody moving in with with you and your spouse and like <laughs> like like they're not gonna and like okay this is my wife now well, <laughs> well and then and really. then but then but then the the hard really hard part is is like okay fine you're like fine but this is, this is how my wife, this is, this is, this is how my wife likes to be treated. And then they're like, not listening to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. And I can't, I can't imagine like really watching that because I know how much I like to have power over what happens in my business. And I would yeah. be like, oh man, like letting go of that power would be hard.
0: Really hard. Really tough. Yeah. It took a long time.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it did. And, but I, again, I'm sure you're glad you did it in the long run. And now you're able to do something you're more passionate about and feel more aligned with as well. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of my podcast, I like to um, just kind of give like an action item for the people listening. So right now, what could, what would you give as an advice or as something for an entrepreneur to do today in order to advance their business?
0: Yeah. Oh man, it's tough. What do do I even zoom in on? (laughs) Uh, One of my values is hustle while you wait. Mm. So that could mean anything. That could mean, uh, uh, in line for a coffee at Starbucks, maybe maybe you're uh, maybe maybe you're looking at your Google Analytics on your phone. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, Google Analytics has got a hell of a mobile app. They'll tell you everything you want to know about your website, and you can look at it anytime on your phone. Yeah. So maybe maybe you're in line up for a coffee at Starbucks, and, and you're looking at okay, how many users came today? How many of them bounced? How many of them converted? Um, and and what does that look like based on this time last year? That's something you can do, and in 60 seconds, get uh, an update on how you're doing. Uh, Something simple like that. On a bigger scale, hustle while you wait might apply to uh, uh, just the time we're in right now, where a lot of people are sitting at home for a week, four weeks, eight weeks, however long we got to sit. Use that time to get on Udemy, get on uh, Udacity, get on Masterclass. Pick up a new skill pick up something that you didn't know this time last year. And within a month, quite possibly you can master it. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day and, and she, and and I was like, what are you gonna do for the next? Cause she's got furloughed and, and Mm. and it was like, what are you gonna do for the next 60 days? She goes, I don't really know. I'm like, is there not a skill you want to learn? Yeah, not really. And I'm like, damn, really? There's gotta be (laughs) something. So it's, but that's, that's 95% of people. I know that's literally 95 or more percent of people are not going to level up in this time. Be the five percent or or two percent that will, and you'll come out of this smarter or stronger, and and maybe one step closer to actually starting that business.
1: Yeah, never stop growing, and um, it's a it's a different mindset to have. Like, and some people are taking it a little bit a little bit slower, and and then there's the others that are really grinding right now. People that I mean, with my business being online, I feel like mine is like I'm like holy cow, I'm working harder than I ever have now because everybody else is online. Um, and that's great. Um, So I always ask my podcast guests three questions at the end. Um, The first is, if you would recommend any book to an entrepreneur, what would it be?
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) You can give more uh, than one. (laughs) I don't want
0: to go, I guess I don't, I want to make it broad. I guess, I guess I would read the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People.
1: Yes. I love that book.
0: Man, what a great book. Oh Uh, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily map directly to the the skills and tactics of running a business but but i think it'll help you become one step closer to the type of person that that is successful Mm -hmm. and so you know if i was here and like to live that book perfectly maybe i moved to here like you'll never you'll never embody everything that book uh teaches you because it's Mm -hmm. because it is easy but it's 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 simple but it's hard simple concepts but they're hard to hard to master so that book is like my personal Bible. I would recommend like everybody read it but but mm-hmm. especially if you're if you're going to try to like be insane enough to start a small business or or a tech based business or whatever that book will help prepare you to become the kind of person that 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 is that to become successful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, that's a good one. And one that's very similar to that in my mind is um Brendan Burchard's Highly um Habits for High or High Performers, high performance habits.
0: Um I read that. I've heard of it, but maybe, It's yeah, so yeah, yeah, good.
1: yeah definitely definitely add it to the list it's such a good one and they're they're very comparable they have different habits but it's all going towards the same thing so habits
0: of high performers
1: yes uh high performance habits i think think high
0: performance habits yeah it's a good one i'll I'll definitely i'll definitely pick that one up on on audible i'm more of an audible guy but oh yeah
1: yeah, we hustle while you wait. You can be driving and listening to <laughs> listening to books. That's there it, right
0: there. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, next question is: If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would your three people be?
0: Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos. Yes, um, you.
1: So many of my guests have Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk in their three.
0: Yeah, Steve Jobs definitely. And although, although there's not a whole lot you can uh, take from Steve Jobs and, and apply it to. <laughs> to your life because man that life. guy just operated on a different paradigm mm-hmm. uh, but the good news is, is you don't have to wait for dinner you can read these these guys and gals biographies mm-hmm. um the the, the, bi- the biography of steve jobs is a great book uh read that that's you i mean i've learned some things from it like you don't have to like dream about dinner you can read their bio you can like the 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 auto uh the biographies came out about elon musk's really good mm-hmm. so
1: yeah i love elon yeah. musk such a good one, um, all right, and then just to leave whatever you want to leave on the floor with the audience, what is your final tip? your final do this um, this is this is what another one of your values are
0: Oh wow, okay, so right now we 're going through uh, the middle of, whenever you 're listening to this now, five, ten years from now we 're in the middle of, of the worst economic downturn, probably in the history of the country. Hopefully mm-hmm. we bounce back quickly. My advice to to other business owners, other entrepreneurs, don't do not quit, don't ever quit. So long as you've got your last one, five, 10 customers, don't ever quit. Don't quit until you, you, you are absolutely out of the game. Stay in the game, uh, do whatever it takes, uh, stay in the game because only when you're in the game is only when you can win. Just stay in the game and figure out any way possible to get, get through this and you'll come out stronger and believe it or not, you'll look back at this five, 10 years from now, and you'll be glad it happened in a way because you'll be stronger, smarter, and more successful because you went through this.
1: Yes. Love that. All right, Brian, where can people find you? Where can they check out your business? All sorts of things.
0: So the website, yourgreenpal.com, you can just download in the in the app store or play store. If you are a homeowner home renter needs basic yard maintenance services nationwide, uh, in the United States. It's the easiest way to get it done. Um, anybody want to email me, email me at brian at com. B-R-Y-A-N at yourgreenpal.com.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for giving us all your wisdom and all of your, uh, all of your tips and tricks and your values.
0: Right on. I had a good time.
1: Yes. Thank you. See you. All right, busy B fam. That is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, hit the subscribe button to be notified. I put out a new episode every Tuesday, so get excited for those all about business branding and social media marketing. You can get all sorts of tricks on how to grow your small business. Hang out with me on Instagram at this is Hive. I put out a lot of other content out on there. Leave a review and let me know which topics you're liking the most. What you're loving about the podcast. And if you do want to share with your audience on Instagram, I love when I see what you guys are thinking about the podcast on your story. So definitely share that, tag me in it, and I cannot wait to see what episodes you are loving the most. As always, it was a pleasure being here with you. I will see you next Tuesday.